Welcome to the Emmanuel Church Podcast. Here at Emmanuel Church, we believe that God wants to meet us where we're at. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can listen to the message from our Sunday worship experience. We would love for you to stay connected with us by visiting our website at myemmanuelchurch.com or at any social media platform at myemmanuelchurch. We hope you enjoy this message. glad we had a great time at e-groups this weekend if you missed out you we're just starting so you still have a chance uh this week we like we mentioned we're going to be at uh pastor mary's house our senior pastor's house this week um so if you want uh, if you need the address go go to myemmanuelchurch.com slash e-groups and you can sign up there and that'll give you all the information where it's going to be at and everything um we're getting ready uh today we're closing out our series the heart of god and um, we're going to be taking a break from ser- uh, our, our series uh, format of messages, and we're going to have a few guests that are not me that are going to be speaking to us the next few weeks. And uh, um, so I get a break, and you get to hear you get a break from me, so you get to hear other people too. Um, but uh, we'll be taking a break from that because in the middle of March we're going to be starting a series uh, focused on Easter as we're building up to Easter. And it's going to be a series that will close out on Easter Sunday on April 12th. And I'm excited about that. We have an event that we're going to be doing. The first time we've done anything like this uh, at our church. It's going to be on Saturday. We're going to have an Easter event. And we've never done that before. So I'm excited to see what God will do through that as we reach out to our community. So get involved. We'll be talking about how to get involved more soon with that. We just want you to know that it's coming. And so today... We're closing out the Heart of God series. And the title of my message today is A Heart Surrendered. A Heart Surrendered. And we've talked about a, a, lot, of, a, a lot of things of how we can live out uh, uh, God's will for our lives. How we can uh, find what God's heart truly is for us and for others. And how we are called to love people and But today, I want to focus on a heart surrendered, something very personal. This is, we've talked about how we as a church should be, but this message today is about you. How can you put your heart in line with God's heart? I started this series talking a little bit about King David. And King David was a man that the Bible calls, uh, that God called a man after his own heart. Even though David lived a messy life, he, he, he was not perfect. He often did things that he was not supposed to. He, was, he lived in sin. He lived in selfishness. Yet, at, at the end of everything, God still loved him and cared for him and called him. This is a man who has, through his life, been a man after my own heart. And that should, first of all, give us hope that we can live a messy life and God will still love us. Amen. But it also gives us a glimpse of what it, it, what it means that we can live that. But what does it look like? You know, what, what does that look like? David gave us that. But I want to talk about real quick from a passage in Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 to 39. And we see Jesus. And Jesus was this, this perfect example of what it means to live life on God's terms. What it meant to love people like God loved people. And here we find him in a very vulnerable moment. In, in this chapter, 
Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane and he has brought his disciples with him and he is praying. He is about to be betrayed by one, one of the people he calls his closest friends. He knows what's about to happen. He's, getting, he's preparing himself what's about to happen. And he tells the disciples to pray with him. And they can't even do that. They fall asleep. And Jesus is praying on his own. And he says this. He, he, he said, it says like this in verse 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell to his face on the ground and prayed. He said, Father, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Father, I ask that you speak to us through this word so that we might understand what it means to live a life surrendered to you, to have a heart that is surrendered to you, God. Let us see what Jesus has to speak to us today, how we can apply the word to us so that we can live it out the best we can, even if our lives might be messy, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Jesus, Jesus is the Son of God, and he is the picture of perfection. He's the picture of perfection, what it means to follow God, to to live a life in surrender to God. Yet even Jesus, being perfection, struggled in his own mind with what this meant. He knew in this moment in his life that he was supposed to die. He knew he was supposed to experience betrayal. He knew all of that was coming, and he wasn't sure, even as God, if he was ready for it. And that's crazy to me. We see Jesus, who is supposed to be completely surrendered, asking God, if there is a way out, give me a way out. But in the end, he prays this prayer that I've heard all throughout my life and just has given me this hope to know that even if Jesus had to pray this prayer, how much more do I need to pray a prayer like this? He said, God, not my will, though, but yours. In other versions, he says, not my will be done, but your will be done, God. And it's hard. It's hard to trust God. I think we go through life, uh, especially nowadays, I feel like there is a culture of distrust in the world we live in. People do not trust other people. They're constantly worried about what other people are going to do about do do to them. Uh, even people that they care about, they're like, well, you know, eventually they're just going to betray me too. And, and, and it, it's awful. It's an awful feeling that we feel like we can't even trust our family members. We can't even trust friends. That somehow, some way, people will always betray us. And I've seen this a lot. Like I've heard it from, uh, I've heard it from teenagers. I've heard it from people my age. I've heard it from people older than me. It's just like, well, you know, you just can't trust anyone. You just can't trust anyone. And unfortunately, this culture gets into our faith. And not only does it make us distrust people, distrust people that are part of the church that we're supposed to be encouraged by and encouraging each other and praying for each other, it help, It makes us, not helps us, it makes us distrust God. God is not like us. He's not like man. And, and he tells us that I'm not like man that I would lie. You can always trust in my promises. When I say something, I'm going to do something. But we hear that and we're like, yeah, but I don't know. 
are you really God? We have experiences in our life where we feel like God has let us down. And, that, and by all accounts, it, it's happened. We, we see our lives and we're expecting God to do something and then he doesn't. And it feels like we have been let down by God. That he has abandoned us and betrayed us. And we don't know what to do with that feeling. We're like, well, see, God, I can't even trust God. How am I supposed to trust people? And so we, we find Jesus in a balance right there. In a war with his own humanity saying, I know and I have lived my life saying that I have trust in you. But in this moment, it doesn't feel like I can. Because in just a few hours, he is going to be betrayed by, in just a few moments, he's going to be betrayed by a friend. And then he's going to be taken and and lied about. They're going to lie about his character. They're going to put him on a cross. And he is going to experience this abandonment even by God. He prays while he's on the cross and he says, my father, my father, why have you forsaken me? Why have you left me? I can't trust even you who said who, who I know I'm supposed to be able to trust. So how do we do that? How do we get to that point where we can say, God, I trust you? How do we get to that point? And what does it look like truly to be able to trust in God? What, it, what does it look like? We, so today I want to look at Jesus' life and what it meant for Jesus to trust God. And how even when he was telling God, you've forsaken me, how he still showed that he trusted God. And his heart is fully surrendered to God. So I, I've, I've lived my life growing up in church. And I've had a lot of experiences where I feel like God. I, I felt, I've had moments where I feel like God has betrayed me. Or feel, felt like, uh, you know, one of those moments in particular. And so this is, I, I want to lighten the mood a little bit. Because I've been real serious up until this point. But. Uh, one of the, one of those moments in my life was when, uh, about I guess it was five years ago now, right before I met Lajenska, and I had been single for a long time, and I had been like wrestling with God and angry with God, just like man, you know, God, I don't want to be single anymore. You know, we 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 might all struggle with that. Like I don't know about you, but I was struggling with that at that point, and I would just be upset with God. It's like, God, you didn't bring no one into my life. And all the people that I've had in my life before, they just didn't work out. And it's just been horrible. And like, I feel lonely and this and that. You know, I don't know if you can relate, but that's how I was. And so I remember, though, at some point, something happened in my life. And I can't even remember what, but I just remember one time I had a point of breakthrough. And I was like, God, if you have called me to be single, this is what you've called me to do. And I gave myself over to that. And I was happy. I was happy with that. I was, I was completely content with my decision that I made. And then I went on a missions trip and I met Lajinska. And then I was like, why you do this? You told me to trust you and I trusted you and I said I was going to be single. Now I feel like I can't talk to her, but I did. <laughs> but in that moment, I, like when I, once I did start talking to her and everything, I realized that this was God's way of telling me to trust him. He told me, If I tell you to be single, will you be okay with that? And when I became okay with that, then he brought someone into my life. And I was just like, so I don't know what you want, God, because you said single. And now here she is. And now I'm happily married two years. Um, We're going to be five years together right in April uh, from dating and married and everything. And so that's coming up soon. 
I have to do something big. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, and so that's that. That was a story of trust in my life of how I trusted God beyond my explanation. And when we look at Jesus's life, he often did that. We see how Jesus trusted God. What it meant to truly trust God for Jesus was to truly love God and to truly love people. But there were different ways that he had to manifest that. He could not truly love God and truly love people unless he did some unless he first surrendered every area of his life to, to God. Even though Jesus was, we, we believe that Jesus was 100% God and he was 100% human. He was human, yet he was God at the same time. But he had to go through the same things that we did. He, he grew up just like we did. He, he was taken care of by Mary growing up. He had to change diapers. I don't know what kind of diapers they wore back then 2,000 years ago. But he had to have his diapers changed. He had to learn how to walk, learn how to talk. You know, he, he, he grew up like anyone else would. He went through puberty. He had to go through that awkward phase. You know, he had to go through middle school, awkward phase. I don't know what kind of school they had back then. But he had to go through those awkward phases. And, I mean, he wasn't that awkward because, like, at 12 years old, the Bible tells us he was teaching the teachers in the temple. And then he's like, Mom, don't you know I must be about my father's business? Anybody else that would have said that to their mother would have got slapped in the face. But Jesus was like, you know who I am? <laughs> but, so this was Jesus. He had to grow up and he had to trust God through all of this. And so... Throughout his ministry, we don't get to see the teenagers of Jesus or anything else. We see him at 20, we see him again at 30. It's like, we, what happened? Did nobody keep a journal? Um, but we see throughout his life, throughout his ministry, how Jesus trusted God. Jesus trusted God in everything that he did, from when it came to ministry, when it came to prayer, in his spiritual life, when it came to his friendships, when it came to his family, when it came to taking care of himself. We don't like to do all of that, though. See, we can get a picture of Jesus when it comes to ministry. Before he started his ministry and before he started that, and and for each of us, we're like, well, you know, I'm not in ministry. I'm not called to ministry. Maybe you're not called to ministry, but each and every one of us has a mission that we've been given by God to share the love of Jesus with anyone that we meet. To make disciples of nations, to make disciples of people, that is our calling. Even if you're not called to be up here or to be on the stage or wherever, that is our calling as believers. And we can see that Jesus modeled that surrender in the very beginning of his ministry when it says that he was barely getting started. He got baptized and then he went into the wilderness. He said, before I begin all of this, I need to make sure that my body and my spirit is ready. And so he fasted. And we don't like doing that. We talked about fasting earlier this year. And we don't often like fasting or or surrendering ourselves to God. But he modeled that in ministry, in my life, in the calling that I have in my life, in my faith, I am surrendering it to God. I'm surrendering my my spiritual needs to God because I know that I cannot live out this ministry without relying on Him. In fact, Jesus even tells us that I do nothing unless the Holy Spirit leads me to do it. He was completely God, but He was also completely dependent on the Spirit of God. And said, I won't make a move in, in my ministry, I won't make a move in my healing or, or, or preaching or work or anything that I do unless I am led by the Spirit. He surrendered his spiritual life to God. 
He surrendered his physical God, life to God and his physical needs. While he was fasting, it says that he didn't eat. You know, this is a supernatural thing, so I do not recommend for you to not eat anything or drink anything for 40 days and 40 nights. That only happened twice in the Bible, Moses and Jesus. And I think it was an understatement when it says, and then he was hungry. Yeah, obviously. Like, yes, we know. I would, I'm hungry right now, but, you know, Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. That was a whole different thing. But he surrendered his physical needs. And, and that was more than that. That was visible throughout the rest of his life. Because Jesus often told his disciples, if you want to follow me, that's cool. But I don't have a place to live. He didn't go back home and sit with his mom all the time, you know. Uh, he, he wasn't doing that. He said, I travel around and I find where I can to lay my head. I don't have a home. He didn't own a home. He didn't own anything like that. And oftentimes, he didn't even have money. Yet people were still bothering him about taxes. Isn't that like the government? And so he was required to pay taxes and required to do all of this stuff. But he relied on God. And this is not how you should do it to pay taxes. Jesus went and told Peter to go fishing. And there was a coin in the fish's mouth. That's how he paid taxes. It was weird. It's a weird story. Like if you never read, the, read that story, it's like Peter's like, hey, we need to pay our taxes. He's like, go fishing. Get a fish. That fish is going to have a coin in its mouth. Pay our taxes for us. Like What? Jesus relied on God, though. That was a picture of him relying on God. I rely on God for my sustenance. I rely on God for my monetary needs. I rely on God for my physical needs, my food, the, the, the things that I need. The thing, I, I don't need to worry about that because I can trust that God is going to take care of it for me. Jesus trusted God in his rest, too. Jesus trusted God, and, and what, that, what, that, what that for me means is that he took care of himself when he needed to. Jesus wasn't constantly going 24-7, 365, doing ministry. That's not what it was about. He wasn't just going full force and, and, and wearing himself out. Not just ministry, but life. A lot of us do that in life. We're just pushing and pushing and pushing. We, we got to get that bread. We're just trying to get the money. We're trying to get what we need to, status, wealth, whatever, and we want that. And so we push ourselves to the point of exhaustion and breaking where nothing in life even makes us happy anymore. The job that once made us happy, the hobbies that once made us happy, nothing makes us happy. But Jesus took care of himself. Oftentimes we see Jesus in the Bible going away from the crowds. He would find a place for him to recharge, find a place for himself to recharge. He would get away from the crowds. He would even get away from the people that were, he considered his closest friends. He would leave them behind. Sometimes he wouldn't even tell them where they were going. I can only imagine that they might have been panicking. It's like, oh, you know, everybody's trying to kill Jesus. And they're like, oh, we can't find Jesus. He must be dead. And they're panicking. But he's over there in the woods praying, resting, taking a nap. Even, even in stressful situations where it didn't make sense for him to be, like, resting, he did. Jesus was on a boat with the disciples, and there was a storm, and he was taking a nap below deck. They couldn't even wake him up like, Jesus, Jesus, we're going to die. He gets up. It's like, man, calm down. Peace be still. I'm going back to sleep. That was Jesus. He knew when was the time to take care of himself and get away from the noise of life. He rested, but we don't do that. We don't like to trust God and rest. We trust, he trusted God also in how he loved people. We, we, we might inherently think that Jesus was always this, like, this loving person, but he got angry. Some of my favorite stories in the Bible are when Jesus got angry. It's funny because we don't think about him that way. 
But it tells us there, there are a couple different times where Jesus went in the temple and started flipping tables. Like, you do that today, you get thrown out of your job or whatever. Like, you get thrown out of church for doing stuff like that. It's like, you don't belong here. You're flipping tables. Jesus was like, I'm flipping tables in the church. What are you going to do about it? Jesus loved people, but again, he had to rely on God and trust God in his ability to be able to love people. Because he got angry. He had emotions just like we do. He got angry. He got sad. He got distraught. He, he was frustrated at times. The, the Bible tells us there were a few times where Jesus was just frustrated with his disciples because they're always asking dumb questions. I mean, us, that's us in life. We're always asking God dumb questions. And I don't know, sometimes God is just up there just like, oh, why? Why? Like, I showed you. I told you already. I told you that person wasn't for you. And there you go. Back again. Back again. And so he trusted God to love people, though. It wasn't always easy, especially when he was living in a culture that definitely taught him prejudice. He knew that the Romans were people that they were supposed to hate. He knew that the Samaritans were people that they were supposed to despise. He knew that there were people that, they, that he should not be associated with. He knew all of that. They were, he was taught that. We see that. There was a story of a woman that came to Jesus while him and his disciples were eating lunch. And he tells her that you are considered the dogs by society. You're not the chosen people. You're not the, the, you're not the people of God. And he knew that and he spoke that to her. He says, you know who you're considered to be. But her faith, but her faith spoke volumes and said, even then, you realize... That God still loves you. And so he trusted God to love people. Because we need God to love people. We cannot love God. We cannot love people without God. We cannot love God without God. It's hard. It's not easy. People are difficult to love. Jesus trusted God with his resources. You know, we talk about Jesus not having money, but he did. He had a secretary. That was Judas. Judas was always stealing money from Jesus, but... He had a secretary. He had a, had a finance, financial advisor. I don't know why it was, you know, honestly, this is a side note, but I, I don't know why it was Judas. Why not Matthew? He was the tax collector. He knew how to do money. But it was Judas, the one that was in charge. Maybe nobody else wanted Matthew to touch the money. They were like, I don't know about him. He takes money. So the rest of the disciples like, yeah, no. And then it was Judas, ironically, that was stealing the money. But he had resources and he trusted God with his resources. He trusted God to be able to multiply resources when there wasn't enough either. Just like in the two stories where he feeds thousands and thousands of people. All they had was seven loaves and two fish. But that was the first time. And the second time they had five loaves and two fish. And each time Jesus trusted peop the, the people he had with his resources. And God trusted him with those resources to make it enough. But we don't like to do these things. Like Jesus trusted God, we see in every single area of his life, even with his relationships, even with his friendships and the people that he knew were going to betray him, he still loved them. He still trusted God with the friendships and relationships and family and everything. We don't like to do this, though. When we talk about trusting God or when we come to church and we talk about trusting God, we think that it's just the spiritual thing. 
And so we come and we say, yes, I trust God. But we trust God with only what we allow God to have. If we picture our lives like a house, there are rooms that are under lock and key that we do not allow God into. Because that's sacred to us. That's sacred to us. And we might think that it's nothing. But these things can often be be obstacles to us uh, truly understanding God's heart and truly understanding his will for our lives and truly being able to love like we're supposed to love. Like we don't, we don't think about things, but there are things in our lives that have become so sacred to us, to, to us that they have become idols. And our heart is not surrendered to God. Instead, it is surrendered to these idols in our lives. We keep our money under lock and key because we don't believe that God should, God should be allowed into that. Well, I manage my resources, and I want to spend money on what I want to spend money on. God forbid that he asks me to give more than I usually do. God forbid that he asks us to even tithe. Some, 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 uh, you know, this might be a sore subject. It's like God is asking us to tithe. And it's like, well, no, you know, I don't believe in tithing. I've, I've heard that. There are a lot of people that talk about tithing is not like a New Testament principle, that it's not God doesn't teach that, that he doesn't teach us to give. But, you know, I will, I will argue with you that it is. Jesus even told the, the, the Pharisees, he says, you tithe, and yeah, sure, you tithe all of this stuff, but you don't tithe in the areas that you need to. You don't serve, you don't love, you don't, you, you, your heart is not in the right place. He says, you should tithe. And tithing isn't about money. Tithing is about our heart. Every single thing, uh, when it comes to surrendering to God, it's not about the thing. It's about our hearts and how we surrender to God. When it comes to money, we tithe not because we're supposed to or it's a thing or it's like this requirement that if we don't do it, we're going to hell or anything like that. It's not that. It's about telling God, here are the resources that I have earned in my lifetime. But because I know that it doesn't come just from me, my job my opportunity to even have that, the money that I do have comes from you. So here is what I'm trusting you with back. That 10%, that first 10% is showing God, this was all you to begin with. So let me trust you with my money. Let me trust you with my money. That's what tithing is about. It's about your heart. When it comes to, when it, when it comes to relationships, we don't like to trust God because we think we know better. We think we know better. We think we know who should be our friends and who shouldn't be our friends. We, we, we think we know who we should date. You know what, well, God, I know my taste. Uh, maybe. Maybe you do. I don't know. Some people, some of us seem so sure that we know what we want. But then when we get what we want, we're not even satisfied. We don't know ourselves, and we don't want to trust God with our relationships, though, because what if God, heaven forbid, you know, I've heard some people talk about this before. Uh, uh, people that I, I don't know, for, like, people that I know that have not been, they're not in ministry. I have friends that are not in ministry, and they've told me, it's like, you know, I don't want God, I don't want to trust God with my relationship. Boy, because what if he makes me marry a pastor? And... <laughs> If God is leading you to a pastor or someone that's in ministry or something, that's probably because they're good for you, not just for ministry. 
It's not because he wants you to be in pastor ministry or whatever. It's because he knows that person is good for you. We've got to trust God that he knows what he's doing when it comes to our relationships. Because he sees the deeper parts of us that we don't even see. He knows who can be compatible with us. And I'm not saying that God is going to micromanage every single part of your relationship. No, you have choices too. And God sometimes lets us make our dumb choices so that he can show us he's got something better. But we have to trust God with our relationships. We have to trust God with our resources. We have to trust God with ourselves. Our hearts. Our rest. We live in a culture that tells us you have to hustle to be able to get where you want to be. You have to be putting in the work all of the time. Sleep is for when you're dead. I don't know about you, but personally, I like to sleep. I like to take naps when I can. You know, when you're, when you're a kid and you're like in kindergarten and they make you take naps, you, you severely underappreciate how important that is to life. You are a child and you're just like, man, I don't want to take a nap. I don't want to sleep. And then you fall asleep like that. You know, obviously you need it. And then nowadays, you're in a, as an adult, it's like, there's too much to do. But you really want to sleep. That's what you want to do. But we need that. We need that rest. God modeled rest for us, even though he doesn't need rest. The Bible tells us he never gets tired. He never, he never wears out. He has limitless energy and power. Yet, on the, in creation, it tells us that he rested. He set aside a day for rest. He set aside a day to model that and even gave us in the Ten Commandments, pick a day that is holy to me which you, where you rest. Because we need to recharge. We need to regroup. We need to trust in God. We need to rest in his love. We need to rest in his presence. We need to rest in him. We need to just sleep sometimes. And sometimes we need to do things that we enjoy. Because let's be real. No matter, life is difficult and sometimes we're working jobs that we don't like. Because we have to. Because we got bills to pay. Things to take care of. But that doesn't mean that life has to be unenjoyable. And that God, I believe God is calling us to take some time for ourselves and do things that we enjoy. Be with people that we like to be with or even just take a moment like Jesus and separate yourself from everybody. And say, I need some me time. I need some Gabriel time. We need that. We need to be able to rest and trust God with that. When we are able to do these things, when we're able to to trust in God, we can see our lives open up to a new level of, of meaning and truth and life. Because we then can see things through God's eyes instead of our own. The Bible tells us that if we follow after God and walk in the Spirit, then we will be able to discern what His will is for our life. Sometimes we're running through life and we don't know where to go, don't know what to do because we're not, tr- we're not allowing our lives to be surrendered to God. We're not allowing our resources to be surrendered to God. We're not allowing our relationships to be surrendered to God. We're not allowing sometimes, sometimes even the things that we love can become idols to us. Man, I have seen people cheer for sports team like they are God themselves. Sometimes that needs to that that might seem like well, it's just sports. No, it might need to be reevaluated in your life because your heart and your money and everything that you do is going to that thing. 
and not to God. That's a difficult thing for us to hear. And it's like, and it's not just sports teams, it's other things too. Sometimes we give our money over to Walmart more than anybody else. No, I don't know. Our money and our time, we give our money and our time to Netflix, to Hulu, Target. I don't know. I don't shop at Target. It's too expensive. Uh, I like Target. They got nice stuff, but it's too expensive. Like twice the price of Walmart. Twice the price of what's at Walmart. But we need to be able to trust him. And it, so, so how can we do that? How can we truly trust God then? First of all, we need to get to know God. Like, like any, anybody, like any kind of relationship, you need to get to know God. And that means reading your Bible, praying, sit, spending time uh, with others who, in, in talking about God. You know, that, that's why I love e-groups, because we get to have conversation about the Bible. We get to count, have conversation about God and our doubts and things that we're, we're thinking about and things that we're trying to figure out in life. We have to get to know God. Because otherwise, how are we going to want to even trust Him if we don't even know Him? You know, and that's one of the beautiful things about Christianity. There are so many religions in this world, and there, are so, and there are even religions that follow the same God that we follow. But to them, He is distant. You cannot know Him, and you cannot be sure of anything. But with Jesus, He tells us, you can know me, and you can be certain of who you are in me, and what I have for you. Even if you're not sure of any of the details. What about the dinosaurs? I don't know, but I can trust God. What about angels and de- I don't know, but I can trust God. I don't know the details of theology, but I can trust Jesus and I can know him. Because he wants us to do that. That was the point of everything. When he created man, he created them in a garden with himself so that he could walk with them, talk with them, because that's what he desires, to know us. He wants to know us. And secondly, we have to give him our trust. And I'm getting close to finishing here. We have to give him trust. Now, this, 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 this one, you know, I think that a lot of people get this wrong. Because this, this is the saying we have when it comes to trust. They have to earn my trust. You ever, you ever heard that? Or you ever told someone that? You got to earn trust. You got to earn that. You got to earn my trust. That's what I hear a lot of students talk about their teachers. Well, I, they, I, they have to earn my respect. They have to earn my trust. That's what we tell about, talk about our bosses. I, I don't trust them. I don't respect them. I'm this, that. We don't trust them. Because we feel like we have to put people through trials to be able to earn, to get them to trust us. Or for them to trust us. For us to trust them. Got tongue-tied there for a second. It's okay. We have, we put people, we make people jump through loops to be able to trust. Well, you know, I had a friend one time that told me, it's like, you know, I didn't always trust you. But then I put you through my secret test. I'm like, secret test? What are you talking about? Like, what are these secret tests? He started to tell me all the things that he did. And I was just like, oh, okay, interesting. But we do that. You know, we laugh or we're like, what? That's weird. But no, we do it, though. We might even think we're doing it, but we do it. We, we, we give little secrets and little things to to get people to earn our trust. It's like, oh, well, you know, if they help me out in this favor, then I'm going to trust them a little bit more. Because that's what we've learned to do. We, we're supposed to earn trust from people. But the Bible, when it talks about trust, 
and having faith in God. It doesn't talk about earning God's trust. In fact, it tells us, you know how you grow trust? You give it. That, that, that seems opposite of, it is, and in fact, is opposite of everything that we've been taught. We don't give trust right away. We have to make people earn it by completing tasks and completing this or getting closer to it. But with God, he says, you want, trust me, you have to give it to me. He said, God, here's my money. God, here's my relationships. Here's my job. Here's my heart. Here is me. And God takes that and shows you what he's capable of. It works for people too. Because you see, when we do it the opposite way, when we do it the way we've been taught, and we trust only those who have earned it, everyone is at arm's length. And then what happens is, is we create this bubble of even those people that we trust, even those people that we say have earned our trust, are outside of a bubble. And they never get in. And that's why we don't, that's why we're hurt. We can't experience people who truly want to love us because they're at arm's length. I don't want to trust you. We can't experience truly what God has for us because he is at arm's length. And we say, I don't want to fully trust you. And so we keep this barrier around us. And we will never experience what God wants for our lives because we want to stay in control. But if we would break down the barrier and let God in, that's, that's when Jesus' words become so much clearer and more beautiful. When he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, that means I am standing shoulder to shoulder to you in this life. I've got my arm around you. When you fall, I'm right there to pick you up. When you're in need, I'm the hug and the warmth that you find in those that are closest to you and love you. You find beauty in God and everything that exists in creation. This was something interesting that I was reading. And it was saying that Americans often characterize God as holy, as great, powerful. We have this grandness of God. And that's good. That, that's a good thing to have. But they were saying... In the Jewish faith, God is not just this grandness. He is also the warmth of the sun on our skin in a cold day. He is the shade on a burning day that's so close to us and makes us feel colder and cooler. He is something that can be tasted and seen and touched. He is intimate. But that will only happen for us if we give God trust. If we unlock the doors to our lives and say, here, God, you have free reign of the house. You have free reign of my heart because I don't want that anymore. I don't want hurt anymore. I don't want distance anymore. I want to know you. David was a man after God's own heart because despite his mess, he said, God, come on in and take it all. Jesus was close and surrendered to God because he said, even 
even in this moment, this most desperate moment of my life, I continue to trust you. And we see that when he was on the cross, he asked for the forgiveness of those who were hurting him. And even after he said, God, you've abandoned me, he spoke one more time in Lord God, Father, into your hands. Here is my life. At the end of it all, even though he felt abandoned, he says, here is my life. Surrendered to you to the point of where I don't even feel you. I don't even feel like you're with me. Here is my heart. Surrendered to you. And if we trust in God, we will be able to experience his love fully. We will be able to experience his presence fully. His provision fully. Because we will be able to know him. We hope you enjoyed the message today, and we would love to hear the story about how God is using this ministry to change your life. You can share it with us at myemmanuelchurch.com slash mystory. And if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can give online at myemmanuelchurch.com slash give. And if you're in the Houston area, we would love to see you on Sundays at 1130 a.m. Have a blessed week.